0: Welcome to the second Mental Health Special podcast with me, John Mears, and again, the wonderful, delightful <laughs> superstar Sharon Norton-Marshall. How are you, Sharon?
1: I'm really good. I'm always going to be good when you sit with uh, a <laughs> intro like that, aren't I? Hey, okay? we're going to have to do these like once a week so I can feel wonderful and special.
0: <laughs> Why not? Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> Um, so, yes, thank you for joining me again. So last, um, well, it was a few weeks ago now, we recorded the, the first part of the uh, uh, talking about mental health. Mm. And we... Uh, well, I talk a lot and I think you're quite similar because you're very passionate about this subject. So we sort of got to about an hour or so and like, God, we got, we, we got to do another one. So um, I
1: this had is to where we are. A times. I have to say that I was given the feedback from a trusted friend that I cut in and over your conversation <laughs> a couple of times. So I need to be able to just zip it. Maybe just go like this to me if I just like, I, really, I actually really wanted to hear a couple of your points that I didn't hear. So I'm, I'm my own worst enemy.
0: <laughs> no, I'm exactly the same, I'm exactly the same. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we want to continue on from what we talked about last time. Um, and we're going to start with, there's a couple of things I want to, I want to cover in this. So um, the first thing is uh, working out how to know when you're, when you're not feeling right, when things, when you're not coping. Uh, and uh, I'll start with, you know, talking about that from sort of my own point of view. And I know you've had uh, similar things happen with in in your life Uh, and then i want to move on to coping strategies because i know you're very good on that sort of thing uh and i obviously you know you and i both want people to be able to take stuff away from this podcast something that they can Mm. action and put into their lives and and start improving things for their for themselves straight away so
1: absolutely
0: so if we talk with um we discussed this just just before we started recording so a lot of the time i think when you're when you've got bad mental health um and you're struggling you're not coping often you don't even realize it um, yeah. and, and that was the case for me i didn't know anything was wrong i sort of i just thought i was one of those mm, slightly below par not of the sunny disposition i for probably 15 years so sort of it's i would say it started in my teenage years and went through to my late 20s i thought it was completely normal to think about killing yourself every day um to yeah. be driving along and just think mm, i wonder what would happen if i just swerved here mm. uh and i thought everybody thinks like that surely it's just your, your mind wanders off uh and only once my mental health started improving And I started doing other things and stuff like that. I stopped having those thoughts and I thought, oh, hang on. Was that not normal? (laughs) Was that not how I should
1: feel? So when you realised that you were starting to improve things. Yeah. And I
0: just thought, I think that's part of, for me, part of depression is you think that your worldview is correct and that everybody else um, just doesn't get it or that you know Mm -hmm. they're an idiot. They clearly don't. (laughs) <laughs> on the same level as you if they had your your level of thinking everybody would be depressed
1: um oh, which is that's not the case well you said you the level of thinking because um you know i've grown up with my dad being uh openly admitting or he admits he thinks uh that he is superior and everyone else is stupid and yet he clearly suffers from something but yeah. it's very encapsulated in you know all the emotions and things are all very encapsulated within himself and he shows a very um sort of austere and aloof exterior apart from when he's in company when he'll sort of come to life and he'll be people will say he's the life and soul of the party and know yeah, very jovial very knowledgeable he's he's very scientific and uh, explanatory with things and you never really got to know the real person he's still alive he's very different and then then of course I'm trying to use my new skills to kind of really get inside and learn about this person and it's just so you know the defensiveness and um he's sort of on his own plane and kind of that that really does I take I took a lot of that from him and my mum myself is myself sort of a similar kind of mirror type um where she will bury all of her feelings and things and quite evidently very very depressed mm. so it's difficult you know we're all So sorry i shouldn't say we're all but a lot of people are going around holding this thought that it's not that they're you know other people are stupid and they're they're better that you can also get the flip of that can't you where people like us we've shared this before where you think i'm not normal you know and i'm not the superior person or a superior or a you know worthy of being a person and all of those things you know and that everybody else is wonderful and happy uh, and how they do it like we said before yeah i think it's
0: it's a difficult one to admit because it makes you sound like a complete knobhead but i think (laughs) uh, i think realistically 90 percent of young men and i'm talking you know when you're when you're a, a young guy Seventeen to maybe twenty-one years old, mm-hmm. you are invincible, and you think you just think you're the fucking best. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and I was so full of myself. I just thought I'm I'm clever, I'm funny, I'm this, I'm that. I'm just on a different plane to everybody else. I'm and quite
1: envious of that. Who how <laughs> did you get that though? Because I didn't have that when I was that age I don't,
0: know, I don't know if it's just the stupid confidence of young men i don't know how it how it I builds it's testosterone isn't it yeah so i think there's there's levels around it that time.
1: So that's going to give you that isn't it so you're you're lucky <laughs> <Yeah>. and then, <laughs> and then you i was sort of... speaking to a 17 year old the other day um and there's a lot going on in there and i can tell he's not sharing he doesn't know me very well and i i accept that he won't want to open up to me but I noticed um, that, you know, with by the sheer demeanor, you know, there's sort of the dropped head, the averted gaze. You know, it's like he'll only share some things with me, and he'll look at me, and then he'll look away. And if somebody's like that with you, there's a lack of open communication because when you have nothing to hide, nothing to fear, um, you're not worried about people shaming and blaming and you know judging and you. And you will be more open, and you'll you will have your eyes directed at them a little bit more. So. I think that's an important thing to watch out for if you've got young children that there's a there's a whole lot going uh beneath those um those masks that you've got and the, the bodily directive there um which is hiding a lot
0: no i completely agree and it's um it's it's one of those things for me i think i was it was when i got my first job so 16 years old i then sort of started to come out of my shell a little bit more and that's when I turned into this like I say like stupidly overconfident and stuff like that obviously you know you know from knowing me that I have this confident persona but then there are parts of me where my self-confidence is ridiculously low and it's something I have to work on um but you know I did have that phase of and I guess it's part of when you're at that sort of 17 to 21 years old say you know you're moving out and stuff like that it's it's an important part of your life you're sort of forming your identity
1: yeah
0: um and I think for me I sort of formed it as um after I had that you know ridiculous overconfident phase I kept hold of bits of it and I don't know whether it's like a a romantic way of thinking but there's something uh something nice about feeling like you're the tortured genius you know like
1: (laughs) I like that expression I'm not quite sure I understand it but yeah. <laughs> you know like that that
0: genius artist that's always depressed never sells oh, a yeah. painting or anything like that I And he's like,
1: those friends in our in our circle didn't yeah. we yeah differently
0: and and they all just think Backy that they're well ahead of their time and stuff like that or they <laughs> or that they you know they understand the world better than anybody else and yeah. that's why they're you know depressed so that that whole tortured genius was sort of I don't know if it's like a a sort of uh, an identity that I grabbed onto in that early part of my life when I was trying to, you know, find out who I was and sort of held onto it too long. It was, I don't know, because it took me a long time. It took me a long time to sort of be brave enough to be happy, if that makes sense.
1: Mm, But you said that only happened quite recently, really, relatively, didn't you, last time?
0: Yeah, within the last few years. Yeah, uh, um, me
1: too. yeah. I started my reading process, the proper reading process to where I am now, only three years ago. Yeah. You know, and I had sort of a life event or I had really a kind of a major question in life. And I just thought, you know, it was within a relationship. And I just thought, is this right? And And I was in a real conflict within myself. And I just thought people were telling me something was wrong, as in the choice that the person made was wrong. And do I really want to be in a relationship with them? And I'm thinking, well, is it though? And other people were talking to me and I'm like, yeah, but is it? Like, is it wrong? So I set about, the, so I started Googling these things and then you know, then reading matter came to me and then I started to read about things and listening to Oprah Winfrey and um, all of that kind of stuff. And I, I kind of went the girly route, I suppose, really, listening to girly authors, which I don't, I'm not really sort of a, definitely not a female activist or anything like that, but it's just that there's quite a lot of, reading matter written by women on the subject. And I thought that uh, it really brought me to all these life questions where I feel like I'm happier to make those choices for myself and to sort of stand within my own sovereignty of choice about you know my thought being the one that's right for me. So, and to be able to stand by that. So, but I think, do you think we own that because we're older, we're, we're kind of, we're adults more and we can make our own choices because we've, you know, learned to stand around two- through, too, through having a few knocks,
0: I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I think, all the things that happen throughout your life all the bad things they do make you stronger and you you learn from them and um, you know I still consider myself to be very young and I sort of now get into the point where I, I, I in the last few years I've started to realize that I know nothing at all whereas <laughs> before I used to think I knew everything and now the more of obviously more I'm learning about life and uh, and learning about who I am as a person yeah the more starting to realize oh i've got a long way to go but i'm excited to to go on that journey and, and that should be a lifelong
1: journey myself. yeah isn't it, really you know it is a lifelong journey because we have lessons every day we encounter situations every day that i don't i think probably um from the sounds of it if i understand correctly and certainly i've got from my dad watching my dad is that he has made the decision like that is my mindset that is the way i'm going to view that situation or and then yeah be budged on it at all and i'm thinking well i like to think i'm more malleable and thinking okay well try me let's hear it i want to hear it and then i think i'll go away and cogitate something like do you know what i think you're right you know i think i like that perspective and then Mm. i might add a little seasoning of my my own on it and kind of like you know think yeah well i like that part of of this theory and then i'll just kind of yeah unless it's like science where something is an axiom, and by that I mean it's an actual law of science that it's set in stone, then I think that I think it's really important to be quite flexible, and being Definitely. open to you know, to, and, and learning is one of my coping strategies actually. <laughs> to situation in life.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Me too. Well, if I uh, I I've realised that if I'm learning and sort of striving towards something um, and if i'm if i'm improving myself in any way i feel better it's like it's the the just the act of learning something no matter what it is makes me feel better and i think it's that um it just means that you're progressing you're you're moving forwards um and that that's important for me but i was reading um just, just the other day someone said uh It is good to be a hypocrite sometimes when it comes to yourself and and, and it's okay to change your mind on things like, yeah, you don't have to make all your decisions of what you believe about the world and life and who you are. You don't have to make all those decisions when you're 18 and stick with them. You know, you you can change them when you're 20 and again, when you're 30 and when you're 40 and 50, you can keep changing your mind and and growing as a person. That's 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 fine to be a hypocrite.
1: (laughs) You've just reminded me of something my dad told me and he and i remember getting to 16 and one of the things he said was that's it now your life is set like yeah. anything, by the time you're 16 you kind of like your mind is all all, all made up and I, and I think i remember that for a long time thinking well that's it my view on this is." is not going to be changing and my view on that's not going to be changing but then you know that internal conflict i'm thinking well actually i don't really feel the same way about that anymore so that Mm. he's not right about that and then when you start to realize your parents aren't god (laughs) oh he's just human as well then oh crap you know that that also is quite a big realization isn't it those people that you've looked up to as mentors the whole time (laughs) you suddenly realize my mum has got manic depression and all sorts of (laughs) other There, there (laughs) are there there are very few um, afflictions and things she doesn't have, bless her. Um, And then, uh, and then, Dad is sort of I've got just sort of superiority complex going on as well, which probably hides the complete opposite. So um, yeah, it's a difficult one.
0: I think it was. it's a a good point. So my dad is twenty eight years older than me. um, And when I I remember when I got to twenty eight and we were having that oh, I'm half your age now anyway that's why I always remember it was 28 but um but it was it was sort of like that in that moment I went oh I'm now the age my dad was when he had me and it made me realize he was fucking blagging it all the way wasn't he <laughs> there was no way he knew what he was doing when he was 28 he was just you he was just fucking it, blagging really it.
1: Fun, don't you yeah you're like, oh my god yeah, and I must admit, you know, the age that I am now, I still actually, my, I think, well, I don't know, my emotionally mental, my emotionally mental age was was a lot less. I think I was probably only emotionally uh, uh, mature probably to about eighteen, only a few, uh, even a few months ago. <laughs> Um, I've been telling myself I'm thirty-eight for a long time as well. It's just like I'm never gonna age any further than thirty-eight, so but yeah, my life is increasing, which is good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it is it's uh, it's a weird moment, isn't it, when you when you realise that yeah, these the parents that you've put on a pedestal as the all knowing, never do anything wrong, got their lives together unflappable when you realize oh actually no they're not like that at all they're just <laughs> normal people like me
1: <laughs> have our parents around but i think the realization for me also was the realization that although they're alive they're not around for me mm. so when i had my son you know i could rely on my mom a little bit but not like you know we were saying how last time when we you and i spoke it was you look at other people having happy relationships and wonder how they do it i i was surrounded by people who had mums or dads that would take the child out and you know go and do babysitting regularly you know mum could be relied on a little bit but not very much i just assumed that i was going to be able to like go back to work and and they would be you know she'd have him all the time and it's like oh my god this is bad. like what happened i just had this idealistic view that my life was going to be exactly like theirs was and i didn't have to work and <laughs> yeah kind of thing. so you know and i couldn't rely on them and you know there's those times the we hours of the morning was like sharon you've got a you know get some backbone and sort this you know whatever issue was by yourself and uh, it can be a very lonely experience mm. to think that you you don't have that person to rely on
0: <laughs> no I, I yeah no i can't imagine um let's talk about um other well i'll tell you what they'll lead us neatly into it uh so we want to talk about coping strategies and stuff like that um but something uh how to know you're not right Uh, and one of the things that i later realized later in my life realized was not right um was a coping strategy i was using that was completely the wrong coping strategy uh and for i was thinking about this other i think for probably 10 years maybe 11 years i got drunk every single night um (laughs) seven days a week 365 days a year um that was how i dealt with whatever was going on come home have a few drinks it helps help me sleep help me get to sleep yes <laughs> doesn't help me actually sleep yes um, and i thought that was completely normal i'd talk to people and i'd be like you know i wasn't like getting shit-faced hammered every night it was mm-hmm. just you know a few cans of lager or i used to drink a lot of whiskey so it'd be like a little bit of whiskey or something like that but drink every night to the point where mm, you're a little bit drunk and, and fall asleep yes. And I yeah. thought that was completely normal. And I think there's probably several people listening that also think that that's completely normal. But absolutely. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Tell, tell me what you what you think about that.
1: Well, when I was um, a, a sort of a, initially a single mother, I was an estate agent. So I had my decorating skills anyway, but I was at that time an estate agent. So I've moved out of the family home with sold it and everything. And and I was kind of like this executive, you know, with my my golf VR six and a mobile phone, you know, and I was just like, yeah, I was I really thought I was it. And part of that lifestyle was um, I noticed that people were on the wine. They used to get home and have a glass of wine. And I and I, I remember thinking back, thinking, gosh, is this is really weird. I never used to do this before, mm. but I, I really liked it. But really, I still had the depression and I knew I was depressed. Um, and I tell you the. The biggest turning point for me at that point was actually josh was about six my son he came to me one day and said "Mummy, i've got your wine for you and he <laughs> opened it he got and he literally got the cat the wine opener and he opened the wine bottle you know with all one with the legs that you pull down like this yeah and yeah cork off because there wasn't screw taps at the, the tops at that point and uh and i was just horrified do you want me to get your glass for you mummy? and i was like oh, God, this has to stop and I hadn't even noticed. So it was becoming a natural part of life that I would put uh, bottles of wine into the shopping trolley when I'd go around to Sainsbury's. So and I was like, I didn't even question at that point, but I knew that that wasn't good. I thought, oh, dear, you know, that's not really a good point, is it? And then I noticed I had the chat with my best friend and she said, oh, God, love, you don't want to worry about that. My husband has a couple every night anyway she said what, what you're having isn't a problem I said well I have a couple and she went no hun he has a couple of bottles And I was like gosh okay well but then you start looking around you and thinking why am I having this and I think really I, I think if it wasn't for my son doing that you know giving, yeah. so I wouldn't necessarily think I wasn't thinking of it as a coping strategy but looking back on it now I realize it was mm-hmm. so you know and you would sort of come up and it would become a habit Like any habit, I I, and I just think that um, maybe we should not necessarily say that it's a bad habit, but it's going to be bad for your health. And that is what is the bad thing. So, you know, and and is there really a wrong way, you know, know, people getting through life? But there are definitely better choices you can make to get through life than than choosing alcohol. Because I think, you know, you know how I was looking when our last conversation, looking at what it does to the body. You know, you're killing off cells in your body. So that goes mm-hmm. to make up a whole person. You can't be a whole person if you're killing off part of your body. You're literally t- you're making the choice to kill off cells in your body. So, you know, and it takes time to regenerate. So you've got to fall asleep, which is great. Initially, like you say, it helps you get to sleep. your body's in overdrive then to try and regenerate these cells that you're trying to put back in the body while it's got nothing else in it apart from alcohol and you know maybe a small dinner because you've chosen to drink more than you're eating Uh, because at that point you're probably not eating and uh yeah so that's why you wake up invariably at the wee hours of the day in in the night time and it's actually disturbing to your sleep rather than constructively letting you sleep more so yeah that's well, that's how it happened with me anyway <laughs> being an estate agent at that time was quite pressurized <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> i think it always is with estate agents isn't yeah, it it's, it's a sales, high turnover you know, occupation like <laughs> yeah it's um yeah it's 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 a it's a weird one I, I, I think i don't know i don't know what the long-term effects to my health have been of of all that drinking and smoking and stuff like that um i like to think certainly how I am now I feel like I've got very lucky and in that it hasn't really affected me um but i well, um,
1: Ronnie Wood didn't do too badly on it did he recently
0: yeah
1: <laughs> although I don't want to say that to him you know like to, to let people you know go out there and smoke and drink themselves so you know until yeah. in their 80s but
0: <laughs> but I'll tell you i tell you what it was for me I mean you know we say it's 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 a bad it's bad for your health habit um but I it was it was bad for my whole personal development life and everything, because when I think back to it, I think, well, why did I drink every every single night? And the reason was I was just too scared to face up to my emotions or my my what was going through my brain at the time. Yeah. Um, so it was just a very neat, simple little cycle of get home, drink, fall asleep, wake up, feel a bit shitty most of the day uh and and go again yeah um and then you sort of get yourself out of that cycle eventually uh and realize that oh my god i could have dealt with all these problems properly a long time ago uh, essentially all i've done is put them off for 10 years because i didn't want to face them
1: i actually think so 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 when um uh, but will pe will there be people out will there be men because most of the most of our trade is men mm-hmm. um really and hopefully that there'll be other trades or other professions listening but what happens about um the people who say well i quite like having a few beers or ciders or wines in the evening and i and i don't really care Mm. what's the answer to that should should they be worried or yeah and
0: and the thing is i've I, it's not like i've lost my taste for alcohol i fucking love alcohol i love <laughs> drinking And there's a there's a huge part of me that wants to drink like that every single night
1: to get drunk
0: yeah to get drunk every something? night something yeah not so much not not so much now i don't i wouldn't say i just i just like the feeling i like drinking i think it's yeah. nice and social and fun i think um, everything's just a bit more fun when I'm, when I'm drinking, even if you're right. watching something boring on telly, I don't know, I, I sound like a typical alcoholic. I really <laughs> like drinking. Um, but, but what I, what I have now is, um, I've got a more powerful reason to not drink. And that's because, Ooh, that's, um,
1: I like that.
0: when I, I know when I drink, I am not as productive the next day. Mm. And. I think people
1: are going to be able to relate to that, aren't
0: they? Yeah, and I want to be good at my job and I want to be able to do things like this and I want to do all the other bits and bobs that I do. I don't want to spend time with the kids and showering and stuff like that. I want all of that more than I want that drunk feeling at the end of the night. Wonderful. Um, And I think, so that, I mean, that's what I would, so whoever's listening is, if you're having that problem, it's trying to find trying to find that reason that's that's something that's more important to you than than drinking um
1: because i was thinking as i was listening to you speaking i wrote down the word why i think there has to be i i do say this to myself a lot during my day or through my month or through my week or whatever um and and i say you know what's my why or i'll say to somebody what's your why for something your why has to be really strong but i really like the why not you know like why not do it you know it's like as in let me think of the why i shouldn't do something i really like that yeah but i think a lot of people are gonna have made new year's resolutions to say you know i i'm going to do this and i'm going to do that and i i, I had an email through from the tony robbins group which is by a guy called uh, dean graziosi and he his email was entitled something like don't make new year's resolutions and i was like oh that's an interesting title for an email i'm going to click on that and it said rather than make New Year's resolutions when you decide to do something, this time, twist it round and say, I'm not going to do something. Yeah. So, the th- and I thought that was really powerful. It's the rather thing, think, what am I going to do? What am I going to achieve? Where a lot of these things, we don't hold ourselves accountable. We don't know how to hold ourselves accountable and actually do those things to achieve them. I think it's really, that was really cool. I think it hit it on its head and just said, uh, so you can say, like, I'm not going to drink more than two glasses of wine a week or whatever you whatever you've chosen to improve upon you know and actually seeing it and recognizing that it's an improvement in your lifestyle rather than you know there there will be people out there saying well i'm not really bothered you know as i quite like it (laughs) (laughs) but i think when they when they realize the benefits of cutting back on alcohol and maybe upping some exercise know, you and I both pretty much addicted to exercise and the benefits that brings yeah um that that in itself you realize you just have a better relationship with yourself and and therefore other people in your life and your life itself improves
0: exercise is another thing that was another thing that got me out of it because I got fed up of trying to go for a run with a hangover It's just just like, why am I making this 10 times harder for myself? I (laughs) really
1: admire you, freedom (laughs) (laughs) training.
0: So so uh, I'm currently training for a marathon uh, and I typically, I don't uh, don't drink during the week at all, Mm -hmm. but typically I'll have a bottle of wine or two on a Friday and a Saturday night. Well, as part of my new training plan, I now have to do a long run at the weekend so I did it once where I had a couple of bottles of wine on a Saturday night and then did my long run on a Sunday and I was like I am not doing that again <laughs> <laughs> that was disgusting <laughs> so you know now I don't drink on a on a Saturday night or well, on a Friday or a Saturday night depending on when I'm going to do the run I won't drink the night before because I know I just is not worth it and and Completing the marathon is more important to me than a couple of bottles of wine on a Saturday night.
1: Wonderful, um,
0: yeah. But fi- finding things like that is is really important. Um,
1: yeah.
0: And the other thing I find with when you're trying to give something up like this, um, drinking and, and smoking are obviously the two most popular things, but I think when you're giving everything up, people have this weird thought in their head that it, they've got to have a perfect record. And I think it's like, oh, I haven't smoked for six months. Then I had one cigarette and I guess I'm a smoker again. And it's like, no, 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 you're not. You had a a little setback. (laughs) You don't have to have a perfect record to not be a smoker anymore. If you have a couple of fags on a night out, just then continue not smoking the day after. It's absolutely fine to do that. And if you slip up and get absolutely hammered on a Tuesday, don't worry about it. Just try and try again the next day. I think
1: smoking is a really interesting one, which I observe in that it's actually becoming such a minority now. I've noticed with some people uh, who smoke, they're almost apologetic. And although they don't express it with word, it's it's really in body language. And I actually believe that if you've decided to be a smoker, own it. Yeah. Like, you know, and if somebody and don't don't let other people shame you. So if, I think this is really important. So. Whatever you've decided as your lifestyle choice, you know, so for you and me, we've decided that we're not going to drink during the week because we like training, we want good bodies and we want to be able to have, have a longer life. And, you know, that means being more healthy, making healthy choices. But if you've decided that, you know, I want to drink, you know, like uh, two or three pints a night and then and then be a smoker, then dan will own it. You know, it's just yeah. like, well, you know, um, because there are other things you can do in your life too, be better. So the be do have, you know, be more, do more, have more. Um, but ultimately you'll only ever be able to reach a certain level. Like you, you there's no way you can achieve certain things without making those choices. Um, I think you can to a certain point be healthy, but if you are a drinker and a smoker there will be things that inevitably are not going to last as long and you know your life may end shorter than the average person but then again I could get run over by a bus tomorrow as the expression goes that's what I'm like so so, you know it's, it's important to be aware and just just own it and um I think that it just means that it's just some one person's coping strategy that isn't necessarily another person. I don't. I think it's important to understand to say, well, um, what's right for one person is just not right for another, and uh, and and own that choice you've made really. And then you know, I think for the lifestyle that you and I have chosen, that's not right for us. So, and then uh, for us to allow other people their sort of beingness of allowing what they want to do and how they want to construct their lives but in order to improve to be do have you know you just really gotta get as much of your ducks in a row really with a you know one of my coping strategies really is trying to now formulate what what a good routine is through the through the day um particularly in the morning and i think you're quite good at that aren't you you have would you say you've got your routine off to a art, particularly in the morning at the end of the day or
0: getting there getting there um again it's one of those things i'm not perfect at but i don't beat myself up for not being perfect at it um but i you read so so many things uh, about how important it is to have a good morning routine um and simple things like making your bed every morning really does make a difference it's that it's the first little win of the day you've made your bed it's perfect And it comes back as an extra bonus because it's nicer to get into a bed at night that's been made properly.
1: It looks nice. That was one of my things as an estate agent. And for anyone who's got their houses on the market right now, I just (laughs) want to share this with you. I used to obviously go around to a lot of houses during the day, during the week, whatever. And um, bedrooms for me, when I was trying to sell a house, was always quite a big thing. Mm. And uh, I used to love walking into you, pushing the bedroom door open to those beds that were just like this crisp neat plumped up pillows that the room would smell nice there would be no sort of like I literally have had it where a pair of knickers was hanging on the <laughs> side of the, of the laundry basket and I was like having to tidy things away always, there were certain houses I'd go to that I'd have to go there 10 minutes early yeah so that you know and you can see that the importance of now i look back on it like the importance of a good morning routine you know it's like those things where that would have really helped me out there is a knock-on effect actually which we don't realize in our own day until you have a good morning routine or a good routine through your your life um that um actually can impact on other people as well
0: (laughs) yeah it's um it's definitely something to to look at um for anyone trying to improve their mental health i mean simple things for me that i've you know taken on from our last call about the first thing i do when i wake up um and i don't do it every day but i try to try to remember is you know think of three things that i'm grateful for every morning (laughs) fantastic before i pick up my phone and look at facebook or whatever and stuff like that and and in fact trying to put a gap of even if it's only 15 20 minutes or so from when i wake up do something not the first thing i do is go and grab my phone and check emails and stuff like that because that's just most of the time it's fine but it's a recipe for disaster really if you wake up the first thing you do is grab your phone and you've got a shitty email from a customer or something like that that's going to put you in a bad frame of mind you know let yourself get into the day a little bit first wake up Mm -hmm. you know drink some water, make yourself a coffee, get up a little bit early so you're not rushing around. And I'll tell you something I'm trying to do on the other end in the evenings now, uh, and I'm not doing great at it, but I'm getting better, is not looking at social media after 8pm and not looking at my phone after 9pm. And that really, on the days that I do it, and notice how much it, it really helps you to switch off. I'll fall asleep yeah. quicker and stuff like that. Um, I'm just trying to remember it's just that
1: just that a simple Gold, you know, Goldie Horn's daughter is very successful, isn't she? And she's like part of Fabletics and stuff like that. She, uh, in her house, they do have that rule. They have to, uh, she, she sometimes goes around with like a little basket and all the mobile phones go in there. <laughs> it's, eight eight o'clock, it's like watershed. Like yeah. nobody, like, so you've got a good couple of hours to wind down. It's family time. Yeah, and I, and I really like what you've said about starting the day well um, and because it can set your mood for the rest of the day. And Jay Shetty, think like a monk fame. Um, I don't know if you know, do you know Jay Shetty,
0: Think no. Like a
1: Monk? Hey, all these things I'm introducing even you to. i that one. Jay Shetty one. is a wonderful international speaker. You know, he's wonderful for mindset. Uh, he took the choice. I think he had a job very much like yours, and he took the choice to actually go and live in a monastery for a couple of years um, and uh, wrote the book Think Like a Monk, which I haven't yet read. It's on my list. But uh, he says that... Um, I don't reach, for the only reason, the reason I do reach my phone first thing in the morning is that my alarm is set on it. But other than that, it, I, I I come downstairs with my cats. <laughs> You've heard that story. <laughs> that's, that's part of my morning routine. I, I make the bed, he has to wait, I have to make the bed first. It's all nice and crisp and clean. Um, And then I uh, come down the stairs uh, with the cat and then I put the kettle on. Um, And then, uh, so I, 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 I have a big sort of skincare routine this person, but I am a girl. You know, you have to forgive me for that. But, uh, yeah, he says that, and I don't look at my phone for any form of social media or anything until I've, you know, made my whatever I'm having at the moment. It's a herbal tea and then, uh, you know, do my face and then I'll be like, right, OK, let's have a look and see what's going on. I don't spend much time on social media at all because um, another another uh, podcast I was listening to yesterday was talking about uh, fake people. And um And i think that that we've got to be careful about that of course as to what that actually means and it's going to mean different things to different people but we are definitely living in a time where people are putting out fakeness on social media um they're trying to show lives and we know this is in social media itself you know there's quite a lot of awareness about um fakeness and about how people are portraying their perfect lives and how we perceive a perfect life and what i should be like and what they should be like you know, I had a girl uh, say this morning. I was appraising her because she was in a video uh, of my local gym, and I was like, "You know, way to go! You got you made it to the video." And and then she was self deprecating straight away um, about her size and about this. And I just thought that is so sad. Where I've seen her as an inspiration to go to the gym and be there. You know, she's there most of the time in all most of the classes. Yeah. But yet, you know, she's still saying, "I'm not slim enough," and "I'm not this enough," and "I'm," you know. But maybe I might inspire other people to go and I was like it's just a perception like anything else it's like and I, I was quite saddened by that because she's a really beautiful, naturally beautiful person and she's not put, putting out sort of fakeness on social media for people to to look at in the morning when they first get up in the morning and feel shit about their lives you know <laughs> um, so you know it's really interesting that we're you know I could really relate to the podcast I listened to about you know, fakeness and think about maybe not allowing that into your life i wouldn't ever cut anyone out of my life at all i think that's being a little bit too uh boundary and i think that you have to invite life to come to you but i think it's very that you do need to be bounded and very careful about what you allow to absorb and to digest and social media is not very effective in in mental health good mental health stimulus i don't think
0: no not at all i think um you know there's loads of amazing things about social media but you have to be careful with it if you're not in the right mindset to be looking at what is as you say a curated perfect version of everybody's life
1: yeah
0: if you're in the mindset where you're going to look at that and think that that's what people's lives are actually like then you shouldn't be on social media at the moment but if you're happy maybe that's why back. I'm
1: avoiding it maybe that's a perfect <laughs> strategy just like keep yeah. away from those people who say oh we're a perfect couple we've had yet another anniversary <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh well good for you
0: <laughs> yeah it's um yeah no, no one puts the rubbish stuff on there <laughs> but uh you know that's, that's the way it is and like I said there are there are lots of lots of good things about it but you've got to be got to be careful with it definitely
1: so for a man what would a good routine be for you then that the guys can relate to out there if they want to say okay i want to start improving my life okay so i've heard that a good routine is a good place to start what would you say to them uh
0: so from waking up in the morning
1: yeah
0: yeah so uh so i guess i guess it starts with the night before is going to sleep at a suitable time so that you can get up early in the morning now i found um and really it's with my my new job this this happened i used to start work at nine um which meant getting out of bed at the very last minute possible <laughs> and getting to work either bang on time or about 30 seconds late uh, and that was how i started my day every day and i thought this well, sounds that's...
1: like the way i used to be
0: yeah <laughs> i was like Well, that's clearly the best way to do it. I enjoy sleeping. I enjoy being in bed. So I'm going to stay there for as long as I can. Um, And then you get to work and you get to work at nine o'clock on the dot and bang, things are already hitting you in the face and you're away and you go in and you're you're just on like high alert. You've got higher stress level all day long because you feel like you're just slightly behind on everything. Um, uh, uh, um, And what I'm doing now is. I'll start at half by 7 in the morning and I'll get up, you know, much earlier. Um, so I've got time to potter around and be a bit sleepy in, in the house and stuff like that. And I'll start with, obviously, you know, making bed, go downstairs, drink a pint of water. Do um, you do that every morning? Food. Yeah, yeah. I typically do you? Is that part be... of
1: your diet?
0: Yeah, well, well, not particularly. I just I found that I don't drink enough water in general. Um, I just seem to drink just umpteen cups of black coffee every day <laughs>
1: um,
0: so, one <laughs> <of the> time... <laughs> so one of the time
1: um, he looking so nice
0: so one of the one of the things I found work for me was just just neck a pint of water first thing in the morning got Sounds that done then don't don't you know um, and try and try and drink more during the day but it was a, a an easier routine for me to get into it. You know it's part of like you know every morning make your bread brush your teeth drink a pint of water away you go have some fruit i've started eating a lot more fruit in the mornings i found that that gives me enough energy but not doesn't sort of lay heavy or anything like that you don't get tired um because food is, is necessary it,
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> um
0: so yeah i mean that's that's the typical start to the day when i'm on my way to work um depends on what sort of mood i'm in so typically i'll listen to some sort of audiobook um that's, that's most of my time listening to audiobooks but if i need something to like perk me up a little bit i'll listen to some music that i like and that can really get you firing for the day but the real important bit is starting at half seven and everybody else starts at nine um and it gets to like nine thirty, ten o'clock and i feel like i've achieved so much and wow, there's people still great. sort of rolling in the door and yeah. by 9 10 o'clock i'm almost at that point where it's like if i don't do anything for the rest of the day i've still sort of achieved a, a good level of stuff wow. um, and that just puts you in such a great frame of mind for the rest of the day um, yeah. and of course then you get to the evening and you're a little bit more tired because you've been up longer so going to sleep's easier um you know, it just keeps knocking on and on and on, on, on. yeah
1: I wow. actually think that um it's amazing when when um people don't realize they can actually uh extend their life or they can actually live longer and uh, yeah. what people don't realize is the way the way to look at that is sleep less. You know you you can still <laughs> get you can still get enough sleep but you can actually have more life. Like okay fair enough if you if you've had a heavy night before or whatever and you want to you want to lay in bed uh, longer or even all day then fine well that's the choice you've made that's how you're going to spend your life but i truly believe that every day should be treated like it is your very last day mm. like and i don't think people really understand what that really really feels like you know <laughs> so i think and i and i going back to the very part beginning of the conversation where you said you know um, that you you were that person who actually did sit down and contemplate suicide and I think there's a lot of people out there that are doing that. It's like, well hang about if we treated today as though I was gonna commit suicide today I mean that sounds pretty brutal and quite daring, but like that would teach you to look around you and and really start to think about appreciating some of the very small things in life like you yeah, like those moments of achievement that you've had you have achieved so much by. You know, nine thirty in the morning, ten o'clock, that's that's gonna make a man feel good, right? Hundred percent. and and it's all about making those those little
0: decisions for me. Uh and, and look, I'm still when it comes to sleep, I am like so lazy. I uh, I just I am the person that really hates getting out of bed. I really do. And I'm still like on a weekend I will still sleep in much more than I want to. Um but at some point, you start trying to make those decisions as. Um, you know, what am I going to remember when I'm on my deathbed? And am i going to remember those 10 minutes I spent laying in bed. Or That's I,
1: what I mean. We can extend rem- our life is by having experiences. Yes, I love exactly. this
0: John. Yeah, it's do I remember those extra 10 minutes in bed? Were they really that great or am I going to remember- who
1: you're with, of course.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or am I going to remember that time where I got up a little bit earlier and had breakfast with the kids? It's like, yes. well, what's what's going to be the better memory at the, yeah, at the end of it all? Incredible, um, incredible. How, yeah. How difficult is it to get out of bed 10 minutes earlier? What do you really gain from from lying, lying there dozing for another few minutes? Yeah. But, you know, that's a difficult decision to, that's a difficult thing to think about at 6.30 in the morning when you get a bit drowsy <laughs> and all you want to do is stay in bed.
1: <laughs> if anybody's out there thinking about, well, I'd like to actually get up a little bit earlier because I think I like the sound of trying to achieve a bit more before the day rolls by. Then um, I heard, I can't remember who it was, but someone said that if you just do that in small increments, like even, you know, make it really very, very, very small changes, you hardly notice so if your alarm goes off at like eight and you want to try and sort of start getting up earlier. So if you want to reach the sort of half six or seven kind of goal, then do it in like five minute increments even. You know, yeah. Because by the time a week comes by, you know, you're already at like, you know, half seven or whatever, you know, whatever it's going to be. Um, depending on on what you feel you can cope with and and don't beat yourself up about it too much. But even if you achieve one day where you've got out of bed, at you know, five to eight or 10 to eight, then that's a real achievement. Yeah. Um, and then you can start adding more things to your day because as the summer comes, people might want to think about like going and I don't know, I don't know, watering the garden or something. I don't know, whatever it is you haven't fitted into your life before, you yeah. can start fitting more in, more experiences. And if that's time to be with your children or time to be with your friends and your family, you can start to do that more because. You'll start to feel better because you've got more time in your day.
0: Yeah, that's it. All the, all those people that are going, oh, there's not enough hours in the day. Well, I tell you what, if you wake up at four, there's <laughs> there's there's more than enough hours in the day. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's yeah. it. Definitely, I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I I think the sort of small
0: incremental steps is is the way to approach anything if you want to start exercising don't yes. go down the gym and do two hours on the cross trainer straight away you know do five minutes and then come back and do ten minutes and st- and, and any sort of improvement you want to make in your life i think we we're, we're all guilty of it you just sort of go you make the decision oh i'm going to do this now and then you throw yourself into it and you do way too much all on the first day and then you sort yeah. of lose the excitement for it but
1: yes li- little
0: steps and, and and let yourself off like you say if you don't yes, you don't hit good. every target
1: Accept and forgive. Yeah, because I um, when I first started through this kind of more of a concentrated journey into self-discovery and self-development. Um, yeah, about three years ago, a really good friend came round and sort of ran myself and Josh through my son through his what what this guy did. Um, really good friend of mine, and uh, he's currently trained to be a psychotherapist actually, and and he said that is very important that even if so say for instance somebody wants to start going back to the gym or sorry even start going to a gym i had a girlfriend recently say i'd like to start going to a gym and i said do you mean you've never been before and they were like they like no you know all those guys lifting heavy weights and i'm like well for that kind of person i would say you know even if you've packed your bag that's the start yeah I said to him I said oh well I could go and do this and I can you know maybe I can't remember what it was I wanted to start doing actually he was like no 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 start even smaller I think it was the waking up thing as well like getting up earlier because he said Sharon you've got to wake up at 5 30 and I was like cool no <laughs> what do I want to do that for um and now yeah I do get up early most of the days and um but even so if you're going to want to go back to the gym pack your bag that's the first step make it much smaller and then pack your bag and put it in the car that's the next step pack your bag put it in the car drive to the front door of the gym and if you don't feel like going in don't go in you've made that time to actually get there and you've achieved that much so and i think it's always i often do this at the end of a class like when i'm really like i have (laughs) gotta tell you some of those military fitness classes i'm doing at the moment i don't know how (laughs) i just think well don't know but um, I have to just give myself a little pat on the back for doing those things. I'm like, because you're the only person really that can genuinely give yourself praise because yeah. nobody else. There's very few people that genuinely really want to give you heartfelt praise for achieving anything. Mm. They usually are trying to shame you or, you know, they're jealous of you in some way. You're, they're envious that you're achieving something that they really wish that they <laughs> want to be achieving themselves. Let's yeah. go. Oh, yeah, that's great. And then on to the next thing. I, I messaged a friend the other day to say you know oh by the way i've just lost her 1.6 kilos of, on my new elite bikini model diet um and there was not she didn't say anything not one word i don't need validation praise or anything like that but i just thought they would have been nice to, i actually thought she might be interested because she's been saying she wants to lose some weight and i said oh you know if you're interested i can give share a few tips with you because this was my result nothing absolutely nothing and you know why that is is because it's like well yeah, they want either, yeah, it's uh, not really, that. not very keen on the fact that you're achieving those things. So we've, again, we've got to own those decisions that we make for ourselves and that it's our journey and to, to be very steadfast in how we feel about improving ourselves regardless of what others think.
0: Mm, I think when it comes to things like that, um, I wrote this, this quote down the other day, which sort of fits now. So you'll never be criticised by someone doing more than you. You'll always be criticised by someone doing less. And right. I, I think I think that's exactly it. Like if if someone came to you and said, "Oh, I've lost a kilo doing this, you'd be like, that is amazing. My so well. so I tell you, I'm so, I just get so excited. I get
1: so yeah. excited. It's, it's my favourite thing is when people I love everybody's uh, achievements, but particularly with weight loss and fitness. Because yeah. I know that I you know am finally on this kind of last journey for getting that like look that I wanted for so long and I just couldn't work out what is it, what is it? And you know, and I realize it's diet. So it's like and I'm already yeah. getting the results within two weeks. And I can see it on my videos that I'm doing for various bits of I'm looking at myself going, Oh my god, I actually look like I've lost weight. <laughs> <laughs> notices in my, and I'm already more confident on my videos, which is good. Nice. <laughs>
0: No, it's good. I know. I think that's... I
1: love that quote, John. Who's whose quote is that?
0: Do you know? I th- I think it's Denzel Washington who ha- seems to have a lot of quotes. He seems to be popping up on, on, my, Insta. on my feeds quite a lot at the moment. Now I don't know whether it's someone else's quote and they've just put it on a Denzel Washington picture, but
1: yes, I've seen some of those.
0: But um, but yeah, it, it's it's so true. You're only you know you'll always be criticised by someone doing less, absolutely, and that's why I like I love i love my gym um because the, the culture is is so good because everybody is working towards something and they're all everybody's very supportive and uh, and it's because yeah. we're all doing something um you know but you you will get criticized by uh, the fat bloke who eats pringles every night just saying <laughs> ah, well you're shit at that aren't you <laughs> you
1: know what well, i just i've listened to your uh, i've listened to our previous podcast and i just loved This one, where when you said, "There's no good sitting on my couch eating chicken, expecting Miss World to walk into my (laughs) living room," (laughs) I just love that so much. It just makes me laugh. I was with listening to it going around Tesco's. So so much. Um, I think it's really good that we have these um, quotes to to uh, relate to, and I send this one. To people quite a lot there was a girl that when i was working in costa there was a young girl that came she's very bright and she's very capable but bless her she was doing a lot of like you know drugs and and drink and stuff like that and she's like oh i'm a complete mess and i said there's so much going on and you've got so much to give and i sent her this is much longer but there's a, a woman uh, who's a very uh, famous uh writer poet uh, speaker called Marianne Williamson. Have you spoke have you listened to her before? Have you do you know any of her stuff? And I, and it's a much longer quote, which I think is really useful if we share it at some point. But um one of my favourite films for motivation is Coach Carter.
0: Oh, I love that film.
1: So Coach Carter, you probably remember, and I made my son watch this one time because I thought as a young man this is really important. Um and that led to all sorts of things, you know, where he's really interested in all you know, like that the music coming out of Compton and stuff like that, which is really cool. So um but Marianne Williamson wrote, she says, and Coach Carter quotes this, our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Because she's asking there, like, what is your greatest fear? And a lot of the time we don't, we're not actually fearing failure. We're feeling we're we're really worried, the fear is that we're going to be great, that we're going to be so amazing that we'll frighten ourselves and we'll frighten the other people around us because we'll immediately feel ostracized. Because I know when I first watched Coach Carter myself, and I was in a body balance class, a body balance is like a fusion of yoga um, and Pilates. And I had to do something called a dancer's pose and I'm an ex-dancer. So, you know, my leg was up here behind me. And then I see you know, like, that. And, and the instructor <laughs> said, oh, my goodness, Sharon, it just looks so amazing doing that. And I felt myself just crumple. But I just thought to myself, I would thought about this quote and I was like, what does it really mean? And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to allow myself to feel it. She's told me that I'm really great at this. And I'm just not going to worry about what the other women in the class are thinking right now, because the tendency, particularly as women who are all assholes, (laughs) um, is that they'll stand again. Mm, look at her who the hell does she think she is you know yeah. and I just thought I'm just gonna be very gracious and I was just like oh thank you so much I said my parents actually paid a lot of money for me to be able to do that it's <laughs> <laughs> I can't really take the credit I just turned up to the dance classes <laughs> so, and it's it's all of those in those moments where I was speaking to somebody recently about spraying and I've only been spraying for a few months so it's coming around to nearly a year of spraying and, uh, and I thanked this person because although quite a few people have been very, very supportive, I said, you always made me feel like I was very important. I was always in, you know, obviously I, most of the time I'm in courses where there's 10 blokes who ultimately have mostly been spraying before or, you know, for a while or, and they're just gone to improve their skills. And then I was coming in really green around the, the gills and all that. And, um, and he always just gave me the floor and said, no, you've got this Shazza like you know like you, you and and it's like no you're you're banging like this is perfect like don't worry but don't change you're a spot on mate you know yeah. and it always made me feel so valued and welcome and that i i was on it and i knew what i was and it gave me the ownership to understand i i the knowledge i've literally you know, read through various groups i'm on and the you know the reading matter i've got on spraying i was like no i know i do know what i'm talking about and i am great at this and i am gonna own it yeah um so i think it's really important that when we take those steps to improve ourselves that we allow ourselves to be that thing and not to worry about it It is a fearful place because you often feel like you're going to leave people behind and ultimately sometimes you do there are people i don't hang around with anymore i don't have i don't Keep the company of some of those people anymore because, you know, ultimately I've moved on and they haven't, which is sad. But you have to allow it to happen. Yeah. And the
0: the people that are right for your life, they will move with you. Um, They will they will come along. Um, I know
1: some of them I can't get rid of. They keep hanging around. (laughs) I don't know what it is. Maybe I've got something to teach them. I don't know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's there's some of them that will just will just go and. um, Yeah. they're they're happy being where they are and they'd rather be doing less and I think you see it in spraying quite a lot um I think some people are just so steadfastly against spraying um, that they don't even when someone who sprays and sprays very successfully they earn a lot of money um and if they talk about how much money they're earning these people that just refuse to do it will just steadfastly say, "No, you're bullshit and you're making up they would they, they don't even want to believe that it's possible, let alone even start the journey to to do it themselves.
1: yes,
0: um and I think that's just you know the mindsets of, of of certain people and and yeah, sometimes you like you say you have to leave people behind,
1: yeah um and you have to allow that to happen as well, which is is it is sad um. But we have to sort of think about what attachments have we got you know you have to allow yourself to think well release the emotional attachment to that person and realize you know i've got things that i want to achieve in life and if that means clearing out the closet and that you know with people as an analogy then that has to happen doesn't it Mm,
0: absolutely should we do before we finish up should we go through some some coping strategies that you know that have worked for you. I mean, I know we've talked to talked about it quite a little bit, but maybe we can sort of sum up some coping strategies that yes. will help people that are, are, are quick to action, should we say?
1: Yeah, so my go to list, which I tried to make as succinct as possible, and it sounds like a couple of these things are similar for you, but for me, um, please trust in a regular routine and why that is important. Um, And you know, I like to always ask the why. So the why of having a good good routine is because if you don't have a routine, you're saying yes to confusion and procrastination. It's about organising your life a little bit more. And with organisation, and again, I'll quote a book, Jocko Willink, (laughs) right? He's like uh, the dichotomy of leadership and he's he's got a great uh, selection of books. He's, he's, he actually says that discipline is the way to freedom. So it's quite a military term, but it's true. Mm. So routine, If the more you are routine, the more you can play around, yeah. around that routine. You've got more time for play. So um, within that routine, I recommend, because it's not going to be right for everybody, but time for yourself, yeah. which includes a good diet so that you can get more energy to do stuff you enjoy. So if you want to go and play sport or go to the gym, um, read. So even if it's 15 minutes a day, just read something, not social media. I mean, actually read a book or listen to a book or a podcast.
0: That one um, on its own has improved my life so much. <laughs> just well, I 15 cute. minutes yes, a day. <laughs> I love it.
1: And I love that share of yours. It's so, it's so vulnerable. And I think I hope a lot of guys get a lot out of it. Because I was speaking to somebody recently, again, in a very vulnerable place who actually said, that starting to listen to books has made the difference between taking his own life and living. So I really do think that's a massive thing to even 15 minutes a day. Mm -hmm. And trust that it's not that you don't need it. Just be open minded to see what it can add to your life, not take away. Um, So that educates you so you can be more and do more exercise. Even if it's like you're going to just do five sit ups every morning, that's a start (laughs) or a couple of I I really recommend planks and press ups. Personally, because it's full body exercise and and also don't don't underestimate time for friends. So, um, um, there's there's a there's a rather famous writer called L. Ron Hubbard, um, quite controversial, he's the the, uh, creator of the Scientology Church. But he says a good way to uh, diminish the first, which is like a first dynamic, which is yourself, is to neglect the third. Um, And the third dynamic in Scientology is your friends. So my biggest thing as well is the value of asking for help. And I learned a lot about that last year. So there were were two times when I just thought I'm going to be daring and I'm going to ask for help. And I, and I was all I was welcomed with open arms. Um, with with my friends saying, "You should find me earlier," you know, and I'm always here for you. And that just makes you feel so good to know that people are there, because it gives to them. It gives to them as well, as well as you getting. So that's what I would say is my, my, uh, my recipe for coping.
0: <laughs> Do you know what I found that so crazy about asking for help is, especially when it comes to mental health issues? So I. Part of my depression was, um, or I think for a lot of people, is you don't want to talk to anybody about it because, well, one, you don't think they'll understand, um, but also you don't want to burden them with it. Um, you don't want to bore them with it. You don't yes. want to be that guy that's always depressed and always moaning about it and stuff like that. So you just never talk about it. Um, and I think, you know, especially as a guy, you never talk about it to your guy friends or anything like that.
1: I've heard this.
0: But one of the the craziest things I found is when I started talking to it and being more open with, you know, things, you know, doing these podcasts has been sort of a, a step on a, on a journey for, for a little while now um, where I've been more open about talking um, to people about it is, 99 percent of people i've spoken to about it have immediately come back with you know really helpful great advice um and they themselves have also had mental uh, mental health problems and issues themselves and by being the one that starts that conversation it almost then opens them up and, and goes Oh, you know, thank God someone's um, <laughs> letting me talk about this. And so you know, like,
1: wonderful.
0: you start talking to your mates about it, and you're like, you know, you you spend all your twenties, and the general rule of lads is, you know, you don't talk about that sort of stuff. You go down. <laughs>
1: I've had someone say that to me, and I'm like, I can see straight through that because yeah. <laughs> we think about this, guys. Everybody, we all have good and bad physical health. Yeah which means it's scientifically proven. We all have good and bad mental health. Yeah. Duh, it's obvious. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, nine times out of ten, we're all carrying around a burden of, 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 a, of a less than perfect um, mental health status. In fact, I, I watch a really fantastic guy who, on YouTube. I'm not going to recommend. He's a dating coach for women. But he says he shouts down the screen. He's like, ladies, what you've got to understand is... you know like a very high percentage of men are winging it (laughs) fucked up (laughs) mental you know mentally and emotionally you know inadequate in a way because we haven't given that we we don't educate ourselves and grow and um, try and invest in the knowledge in order to become emotionally adept at life you know life is a scary place you know so it's and it's forever changing which suggests that we need to do the same you know to in grow to grow and to become more resilient and to learn the skills to deal with life and its challenges so yeah
0: i, th- I think i think men are getting a lot better I, i've certainly noticed it over the, the past few years i mean it would be as a bloke If you walked into a pub and started talking to your to your mates and you're saying I'm feeling a bit down because of X, Y, and Z, I think most blokes ten years ago even would just be like, just not not prepared for that sort of thing. Just don't know what to do.
1: I buy your point, mate.
0: Exactly right.
1: Job done. We've spoken about it. (laughs) Or
0: if it's really bad. Uh, a pint and a Jager bomb, uh, and, <laughs> a, and a, that should sort <laughs> it. Uh,
1: <Game> <laughs> yeah, that's,
0: yeah, that's sort him out. And I think now, it, uh, certainly in the even in the last few years, I think it's people are much better equipped to have these sorts of conversations. Um, and that could be one of the positives that's, that's come out of social media. I think just understanding it a lot more um, and being able to recognise it in yourself because... I think, you know, 10, 15 years ago even, and you know, the further you go back, the, the worse it gets. People wouldn't even recognize when they weren't coping with something or anything like that. You you would just go to the pub and just drink and shout at things. Um, but but now, you know, you can you can talk to most people about it and they'll have some sort of, um, of way of, of talking you through it and, and understand that they've probably been in similar situations before and, um, and understanding, even like when I talk to my, um, you know, I have conversations with my dad who was like, as we said earlier, it's like your parents, he was like the perfect idol. Nothing goes wrong for him. He's unflappable. And then learning that after he and my mum got divorced, he had like a real a rough period. And then we started bonding over a conversation where he was listening to a lot of Tony Robbins and that helped him get through. And that conversation only started because, you know, 20 years later, 28 years later, I, I was listening to Tony Robbins. I was like, oh, have you heard about yeah. this guy? Um, yeah. he's, he's really good. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I've oh, <laughs> yeah. You know
1: people that are out there saying, you know, those brush away lines like I'm I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right, mate. No worries. Yeah. Um, they they just they just don't have a lot of the time the vocabulary in order to be able to tell people what their pain is. Yeah. They don't know where to start, you know. And that's the hardest thing. Um, I think we've got a long way to go. And I'm really excited as to where we are now that things are starting to bubble up, especially with the trades, you know, and for men to become um, more aware to be able to speak. But the hardest thing that will be, um, this is a very long road is for, um, and we're only at the start of it, is for men opening up around women a lot of the time, you know, because uh, we we love putting guys to shame. We love to make you guys feel small and I, and and it pains me so much. You know, yeah, I have been that person until recently that would be like, crikey, I remember saying some pretty nasty things, didn't even realise, you know, we've been conditioned as women to, you know, even when you're very small, you guys, to say, oh, you know, man up, come on, you're a big boy now, you can't cry, yeah. don't cry for mummy, you're a big boy now. You know, like what is that? You know, you've been telling your kid since he's been four or five years old to grow up. You know, because <laughs> like you, this is not fair. In terms
0: of grow up, man, I can stop crying.
1: Now. What do you yeah. want to go and do that for? <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh yeah, you're stupid, or you know, and and it, we've got a long way to go to erase that conditioning and to soothe and that pathway for guys to be able to just say, you know, in a in a very nice way, don't shame me. Mm. I am who I am
0: yeah you do that and then you you produce a, a 50 year old bloke who can't cry and is emotionally dead uh, and then you're wondering what the hell happened why is he like that why can't he feel anything and you're like well <laughs>
1: yeah, going back to your earlier point or even worse he's got all his emotions encapsulated inside he can't you sh- can't share it with anybody so what does he do he goes to, to he turns to cocaine or he turns to drink or whatever it is the coping mechanism affairs you know this is all kind of like you're trying to feed the ego that's crying out for some attention or something that isn't, they perceive as missing in life um and yeah we've got a long way to go before we can just sort of become a bit more open about things but i'm really excited that it's the beginning and we're seeing and we, we're actually doing something to help which i love the more we can help people the better no it's amazing so what's your routine then just quickly before we wrap up
0: my routine for
1: your so you're so your your so i've run through what my snapshot is like the condensed version of what i think i'd recommend for people what would you say is good for people
0: yeah i w- i would say um to start to start getting yourself into the right routine give yourself a bedtime which sounds ridiculous as a Not as it. a grown up but give That's yourself a bedtime i've
1: added to my i must have <laughs> added to mine.
0: stick to it um and and, and <laughs> yeah <laughs> Get to sleep on time, even if your bedtime is midnight or one o'clock, whatever, set a bedtime and stick to it. And, and if you and then start waking up earlier um, and trust me, your bedtime will will move backwards naturally to to match your earlier start. Um, get up, um, build up to it, like you said, in small increments if you have to. But I would start with trying to um, build up to get to a point where you wake up an hour earlier than you currently do and use that hour to settle into the day do a couple of little bits um i always uh when it when it comes to business and work and things like that um i I have a rule which is is quite a, a common rule is whatever is most important to your business that one task that one task that if you could only do one thing all day what would it be that task start that task and do it and and do it until it's completed and if you can okay, get that, like that if you can get that number one task knocked off your list of jobs by seven eight o'clock in the morning the rest of the day is just an I'm absolute great so use that
1: that's wonderful yeah. i'm going to take that advice i like that a lot
0: and you just you'll you'll feel like and, and, and it's amazing how quickly your business or life or whatever you're working on moves forwards if you don't if you just do that one most important task first thing in the morning and just keep doing it until it's done and don't do anything else and uh, until then that is you know when it comes to things like obviously i've got a full-time job but i've got i write books i do these sort of things and stuff on, on top the way that it's very easy for me to do that is just focusing on on just one simple task at a time do that get it done and away you go um and even if you just do that one task, you'll make a lot of progress. But as a, as an extra bonus, you'll find that once you've done that one task, you've set yourself up for the day. You've set yourself up to be more productive and you will just knock yeah, more and more I jobs off. a
1: little bit. I think I'm just I don't know. I, I find admin a real problem for me. Yeah, I'd rather go out on site and play with the sprayer or <laughs> <laughs> I I sitting
0: behind
1: a desk and doing admin.
0: I tell you something I heard yesterday, which is something I'm going to start using. Um, it's, uh, you sit down to do whatever task you're going to do and you say, right, I'm doing this task. And even if you don't want to do that task, you have to tell yourself you can't do anything else. So even if you you can do nothing or you can do this task and it doesn't take long before you just start doing that task. That is good. So it's That's like better
1: than the reward system isn't yeah. it <laughs> yeah so it's,
0: there's no picking up your phone and looking at TikTok or anything there's no making a coffee it's you can do nothing or you can do this task until not it's making done a
1: coffee would definitely uh, kick my ass <laughs> <Yeah, that would. laughs> you're not allowed to go to costa until you've done this task <laughs>
0: <laughs> so do that
1: Love
0: it. get up early um and, and read read 15 minutes a day um for, for me, it's nonfiction. Read read fifteen minutes a day of nonfiction.
1: Yeah,
0: I agree. Um, and you will. I think if you read like fifteen minutes a day or something, you'll get through about twenty books a year. Um, yeah, expansion of the mind. Uh, uh, and that is is so powerful. You know, do it do it for a year and see what happens. Um, you know, and see where you are in twelve months. What's it they say? You know, in twelve months' time, you'll you'll either have Twenty books read, or you'll have twelve months of excuses. You know, which do you want? <laughs>
1: yes, I I love it. It's, that's so constructive as well. Yeah, awesome.
0: All right, I think we're going to have to do this again, aren't we?
1: We certainly are. I look <laughs> forward to it. <laughs>
0: awesome. Well, uh, okay. Well, thank
1: thanks. you so much for today.
0: Thank you, Sharon. Um, it's been amazing as always. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge.
1: And you too sharing your intimate stories great very powerful
0: and thank you everybody for listening goodbye
1: bye everybody
0: bye